0: Hello and welcome to Books by Old Dead Guys. I'm David, and I this am Scott. This is episode thirty. Congratulations, David. Thirty, we made it to thirty, 30 How do you feel? Uh, I feel like we're, we're cresting the hill on the on the you know what's the, what's that they say when you get past thirty? It's all downhill. It's, it's all downhill from there. I, so, I hope that's not. Hope that's well, not the case. Oh man! Oh, but <laughs> <Well, laughs> no. I, I mean, thirty episodes. That's a lot of episodes, brother. That's a lot of episodes. We have, and and you guys have listened to all of them, which is really impressive. Thank you yeah. very much for doing so. Well, Scott, we're still in the reform pastor, by Richard Baxter. What, what what's where are we where are we at, brother? Yeah, what? so we're so we're walking through basically what a pastor does and and how he does it. Right. So we we did a few weeks ago. We were walking through preaching ministry, and I think last week as we were reading, what was particularly helpful for me was how he was talking through being pastoral. The, the role of pastoral care and caring for people. And, and you know, and in our culture, uh, we define pastoral care as just going your visiting shut is Now, that is pastoral care. But that's only one facet of it. The other mm. facet of it, which is what Baxter was really hammering for us last week, was going to people who are in sin, mm. showing them their sin and pleading with them to change. And basically, like, you know, I think Tom Rainer said one time, if you want everybody to like you, just go sell ice cream. Don't become a pastor. <laughs> And so, True statement. I think I think if I was going to fast forward Baxter mm. to the contemporary area, he'd be telling folks we're not selling ice cream, we're not selling ice. cream. That's not what we're doing. So, so that's where we were. Mm. Well, we're picking it up on uh, point number eleven uh, under the second section of the second chapter. Good. So it starts. All our work must be managed reverently. Mm as beseemeth them that believe the presence of God and use not holy things as if they were common. Mm. Reverence is that affection of the soul which proceedeth from deep apprehensions of God and indicateth a mind that is much conversant with him. To manifest irreverence in the things of God is to manifest hypocrisy. Mm. And that the heart agreeeth not with the tongue I know not how it is with others. But the most reverent preacher that speaks as if he saw the face of God doth more affect my heart, though with common words, than any irreverent man with the most exquisite preparations. Yea, though he bawl it out with never so much seeming earnestness, if reverence be not answerable to fervency, it worketh but little. Come on of all preaching in the world that speaks not stark lies. I hate that preaching, which tends to make the hearers laugh or to move their minds with tickling levity and affect, and affect them as stage plays used to do instead of affecting them with a holy reverence of the name of God. Jerome says, teach in thy church not to get the applause of the people." But to set in motion the groan. The tears of the hearers are thy praises. The more of God appeareth in our duties, the more authority they will have with men. We should, as it were, suppose we saw the throne of God and the millions of glorious angels attending him, that we may be awed with his majesty when we draw near him in holy things, lest we profane them. And take his name in vain. Okay, <laughs> I I like I extra love this section. I <laughs> I extra love, I do. Extra love. This is where I get on my old crotchety man soapbox. So <laughs> I love the reverence as a part of the worship on Sunday morning is so critical. You know, there's a there's a reason. And if you're listening, you're a member of our church. You may have never heard this before. There is a reason that we intentionally, every time, start with a moment of silence, right? And it's because we are not, man, look, it is a joy to be a Christian. To Christian life, it should be a joyous thing. There should be an exhilaration to follow Jesus. There should be a happiness to follow Jesus. But there also should be a reverence, a holy awe. Mm-hmm. And so to give people a moment just to be quiet before the Lord. You know, like I have, I have pet peeve, and I, I, I probably got pastor friends that listen to this. I'm gonna say anyway. What's my pet peeve? <laughs> what is your pet peeve, Scott? The countdown clock. Ooh, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. But but yes. let let the listeners know, oh, just in case read. anybody anybody's missing. What let you're the reading. reader understand <laughs> I, the, the, and I'll tell you why. I don't think it's, I am not going to go so far as to say it, Sam, but I will say it's not a thing we'll ever do. Because okay. there's this there's this thinking that abounds that says, in order to build up people's excitement for the worship experience, which is the key word in all of this. Right? Mm. In order to build up people's excitement for the worship experience, what we need to do is put a countdown clock. That way everybody can count down and get really excited. And then, yay, Jesus, we're going to have this big, exciting worship service. And I, I just don't like it. Mm. And I don't like it because I think it lacks presence. Mm. There are several things that I don't like because they lack reverence. And that's that cross of the old man. Say, right? <laughs> But that's what he's saying. I, I, man, I I love it. Like I the, the fact that he would say, Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, to move their minds with tickling levity yes. and affect them as stage plays used, used to do. Used to do <laughs> which which tells you something about stage plays in Baxter's time. <laughs> they used to they used to move people this way. Well. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I love he starts that sentence. Of all the preaching in the world. That speak's not a star class. Yeah, aside from the ones that are just straight-up lies. <laughs> okay. Like, I hate, I hate Mormon preaching worse than this. But man... But this is like... But man, <laughs> this is race. I hate uh, that preaching, which yeah. tends to make the hearers laugh. Right. He's like, ooh, ooh, right. ooh, Baxter. Like, second only to just preaching straight-up heresy yep. is preaching... To make the hearers laugh. Yes. Now it's worth it's worth exploring here the difference between illis- a, an illustration that elicits humor mm-hmm. and a sermon that's intended to make the hearers laugh. Yes, Does that makes sense. Yes. Like because a part of a sermon yes can be used to to, you know, to add levity to lighten the mood exactly. to make to create humor, but if the whole of the sermon, yeah, what's your purpose behind preaching? Yes, if the entire sermon. Is to make someone laugh. Then you've missed the point. Yeah, you've completely and grossly missed the point. Exactly. So, so we're not advocating for not saying you. Know, if you've ever listened to me preach, you'll know that I at least attempt uh, on on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. As as do I. But the purpose behind that is the so two things, David, just that you just said. You know, number one, sometimes you do add levity. Sometimes you you say things more seriously, like it's a thing that. R.C. Sproul used to do that I loved about his preaching. He said, I can say more in a pause often than I can say in a word. Mm. And so, mm. the for right? To, to really get into the moment and, and your preaching and your words become more spaced, say things, longer and you want what you're trying to do is you're leaning into the sermon, hoping that the people are leaning into you and, and, mm. and hearing the words and going and you're going, this is serious. <coughs> this is important, but if you do that for 45 minutes, nobody's gonna listen. Right? So there's so there's times that you do that and you should do that. Mm. It's the same way with humor. Sometimes man, I have preached sermons that are so heavy, just weighty. You know, sermons on suffering or loss or yeah. serious sin. Yeah. And Man, there are moments where you realize, man, I got to, people have got to come up for air, uh-huh. right? Because if they don't, we're going to walk away so despondent. I, I felt like I felt like that's the, the the apt description for like the whole end of Romans one and most of Romans two, <laughs> right? And all the way down to Romans three, all uh-huh. the way through nine verses eighteen. You know, verses not eighteen, when "There's none who are good, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All together have become yeah. worthless." It's like, oh, you know. You can only punch people in the face with the words so many times, and you've got to let them come up for air. So we're not saying, and I don't think Baxter would be either, okay. that there aren't times that you say things that are relatively... Now, Jonathan Edwards would agree. He'd say <laughs> he would never use humor. Mm-hmm. Everything straight, laced, and serious You know He preached. He preached oh, centers yeah. in the hands of an angry god with like zero inflection in his voice. Mm-hmm. You know? He's just straight reading from, the from, the from the a place. manuscript. Do you not know that you stand as though a spider on a web before the flames of hell, and if God were to cut the cord, like it's like, how does that bring the Bible? That's amazing, but Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit brother, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Holy Spirit, that's the answer. So, anyway, that yeah, I, I, the the moral of the story is there are a great many you you can turn on your television today mm-hmm. and find any number of preachers who are preaching for the sake of entertainment. Right? It ought not. It ought not matter to the Christian they are entertained, it doesn't matter. Whether they are edified mm. and exhorted, yes. you know, tell, tell me you what know. the word says. If yes. We are not saying what the word says, that we have nothing to say. Yes, and I think that's key. I, th- I think that what Baxter's what Baxter is drilling on here is there are some sermons that are preached, unfortunately, that are intended to entertain. Correct. But even even an illustration that is supposed to add humor and levity. Man, even the point of that illustration is not to entertain folks; it's to drive home the main point, the main point. Which yeah, is, which is to give so people. So, if, if you're preaching in order to entertain, man, you you missed it. You missed it. If if any part of your sermon is is intended to entertain, man, you you're way off base. Feel like we might be saying that one ought not carry super, super water guns. <laughs> you know. I can't see how that would uh, how that would be beneficial. Can you imagine Baxter? He <laughs> sees that stuff. I-, I can imagine Baxter giving someone a physical blow to the face, not, not a metaphorical blow to the face. And I think he might be able to testify based on everything I've read in Baxter so far. Yeah. All right. All right. Number twelve. <laughs> number twelve. All our work must be done spiritually mm. as by men possessed of the Holy Ghost. There is in some men's preaching a spiritual strain which spiritual hearers can discern and and relish, whereas in other men's, this sacred tincture is so wanting that even when they speak of spiritual things, the manner is such as if they were common matters. Mm -hmm. Our evidence and illustrations of divine truth must also be spiritual, being drawn from the Holy Scriptures rather than from the writings of men. The wisdom of the world must not be magnified against the wisdom of God. Philosophy must be taught to stoop and serve while faith doth bear the chief sway. Great scholars in Aristotle's school must take heed of glorifying too much in their master and despising those that are below them, lest they themselves prove lower in the school of Christ and least in the kingdom of God. While they would be great in the eyes of men, as wise a man as any of them would glory in nothing but the cross of Christ, and determined to know nothing but him crucified, that they that are so confident that Aristotle is in hell should not too much take him for their guide in the way to heaven. Oh, it is an excellent memorandum that Gregory hath left, God in the first place gathers together the unlearned, afterwards Mm. the wise ones. Mm. And not so of orators does he make fishermen, but of fishermen he produces orators. The most learned men should think of this. Let all writers have their due esteem, but compare none of them with the word of God. We will refuse their service, but we must abhor them as we will not refuse their service, but we must abhor them as rivals or competitors. Mm. It is the sign of a distempered heart that loseth the relish of scripture excellence. For there is in a spiritual heart a co-naturality to the word of God, because this is the seed which did regenerate. The word is that seal which made all the holy impressions that are in the hearts of true believers and stamped the image of God upon them. And therefore, they must needs be like that word and highly esteem it as long as they live. Oh, man. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. So first, the quote, man. God in the first place gathers together the unlearned, afterwards, the wise ones. And not of orators does he make fishermen. Uh, fishermen he produces. Dude, that is so good. <laughs> That's just so good, Baxter. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. That. that. So, so a, a, a dangerous thing can happen in Bible college, seminary. I would say even in our Sunday school classes, where we can we can fall into the trap of spending so much time studying about the word mm. that we fail to study the word. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and some of that is by necessity, particularly in seminary, right? Like you're reading all these commentaries or you're reading a New Testament introduction or you're reading a systematic theology. And they're, it's good. You're trying to learn the original languages. Yeah, and... and it's all good. Yeah. The problem is that can take up, occupy so much of your headspace and so much of your time that that then can become a replacement for sitting down with God's word Mm. and read. Mm. That's what Baxter is saying. Those things are tools, right? That, and but there's there's sub, they're subordinate tools. They're they're secondary to the word. The yes. word is primary, yes. right? Spend your time in the word. It's just you know, I'm I'm not a big advocate for for in preaching prep, you know, preaching preparing to preach a sermon. You know, I try as a rule, and it's not because I'm great, it's because I I Eat it and have to remind myself of it to spend the first you know four to six hours is just the work not not leaning in on what this scholar said or what that scholar said and one because it guards my own heart against plagiarism right it protects us because it it can we can people don't realize when you're writing and preaching all the time how easy it can be to unintentionally plagiarize somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're reading all these other people and you're listening to all these other people, then you don't end up with any ideas of your own. And you've got to start first with what the Holy Spirit is impressing on your heart in terms of the way you should preach this text. A text certainly only has one meaning. And there have been many times where I've come to the end of that work, knock a lot, come to the end of that work, having worked my tail off, to learn this stuff and think ah, I got it, and then I read a commentary and it's like the opposite, and, mm-hmm. like, was it? and I'm like, "Dang it!" And now, now I'm starting the research work, and I went, "Oh, I missed it, but it was still worth the effort, right?" Mm-hmm. Which is why you use those sources, but you don't use them first. Right. And the longer you preach, and the longer you write, the fewer those occasions become where you where you have to. It's like it's almost like commentaries in a lot of ways can serve as like. What are the things called that you put in the, the, the gutters? Yeah. yeah, when you're bumpers. Bumpers. That's yeah. the word. Bumper. Bumper. They're like almost like bumpers, right? Like, I want to throw the ball. I want to preach. I want to throw the ball down the lane. I really like to hit a few pins. If I hit all of them, that'd be really, that'd be great, really great. But I'm probably not going to, but I'd like to hit the majority of them. And so I'm going to throw it. But the commentaries keep me. Bumper. Yeah, bumpers. So I don't go into the gutter. And and that's that makes them a good tool, but they're not the tool. And that's what Baxter is saying. We, you know, we, we first, it's a spiritual word, and the Holy Spirit lives in me and empowers me, and, if, and I believe, because one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to give you the ability to see God's word clearly. So if I'm sitting down with God's word and reading it, and I have the Spirit, and the Bible has said truthfully that I have all things pertaining to life and godliness, mm. that means that the book should speak to me, and I should... Be able to discern. Now I may need some help with that. It's all various levels of understanding, mm-hmm. but I don't want to get the word first. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of, of a question that you and I get every so often, which is what What do you think about devotionals?" That's a great question. Which yes. is, which you know, to put my cards on the table, man. Not all devotionals are created equal. Correct. You know, I, I've used devotionals in the past, and, you know, I, I've, there are some really great devotionals out there. There are also some that are. Not worth the paper that they're printed on. Yes. You know, there are there are some that are way more harm than they are good. Yeah. But to me, the test of a devotional, the test of whether or not it's good to read it, is does this devotional push you more into the Word, or does this devotional push you more into what it's saying? Yes, 100%. Does it reveal to you more of the Scriptures, or does it reveal to you more of the author's own thoughts? Yes. What what which way is it pushing you, man? Because man. a devotional that that pushes you more into the scriptures can be a really valuable tool. Yes, a really helpful. I agree. Helpful with that. Tool. So shameless shameless plug. Have you found Have you found one devotional that's been more helpful for you? There is one. There is one on that was. It was kind of essentially kind of an o- kind of an overview of the entire bible i think it was like a 30 day devotional they took passages from different spots in the bible and just drew on those passages and just kind of o- kind of a- overviewed the entire bible in in 30 days unfortunately i don't remember the name of it <laughs> which Man. is a real shame But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go back and look it up. what happened next week? Yeah, next week we'll start with hey, that devotional I was talking with last week (laughs) is called Blankety Blank by Blankety Blank. Right, right, right. But, yeah, Yeah. what about you, brother? Is there a devotional that sticks out for you? I've got, okay, I've got two. Okay. Um, one is a a devotional, uh, that's a collection of the writings of John Calvin. It's called Heart of Flame. Mm -hmm. And it is, and the reason I like it is because it's not just Calvin, it's Calvin commentating on parts of the scripture, right? Mm. So it's like these different passages of the Bible and then some words from Calvin underneath about what those what those passages mean. I really enjoyed that. Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Morning and Evening. Yeah, oh, man. That one is, oh, yeah, that one's uh, almost once a year. I'll spend that, because I cheat on devotionals, because I'll read a page and I'll be like, I want to do the next one. So I, <laughs> so I can't get, you don't do the day by day. No, I can't get one. If I get ones that are day by day, People mm-hmm. like, well, did you enjoy it throughout the year? I'm like, yeah, it was great. I read it last week. <laughs> <I> <laughs> oh, yeah, mean, I finished that like January 16th or something. It was great. It was I know. Great it's commercial. like having access to all the sequels of the movie and not watching them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I want to what <laughs> you going to say next. That. Netflix I, is a real blessing to you. Yeah, <laughs> we had we, had, we had a brother in the church who gave both of us a copy of this William Wilberforce devotional. Yeah. 365 days. I read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. It was man, great. man I, I'm... I'm, you know, a month and a half in. I think it's awesome. <laughs> it, I think it's, it, good. it's good. The whole way through. The the whole way through it. I've got nothing but good to look forward to for the rest of 2023. I've got yeah. nothing but good to look forward oh, to. Oh, but you know, it's also Wilberforce is one of my spiritual heroes. That'd be like giving me a, a devotional written by John Newton and telling me to read it one day. Uh, that's just not <laughs> happening. That's just not. I just can't <laughs> do it. So, but but I love that point, David. Of Devotionals are fine as long as they're pointing you to the word and not taking you from it. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as they're edifying the, the the glory of Christ and pointing you to his perfect word, mm-hmm. then that's fine. You know, I mean, there are, some, there are some good digital ones. I've done some this year um, that Ligonier has put out that are on the U-version app. Oh, really? That are excellent. You know, I did, I just finished, I finished, there's one on U-version that I just finished that was, we uh, just plugged U-version. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> that was like, I think it was 41 days in the Proverbs with Paul, mm. with Paul Tripp. Oh, dude. Okay. So it was like, it was like two paragraphs and then a three or four minute YouTube video connected. Oh, man. It was good. I it bet. was really I bet. good. Yeah. So, so there are even some good ones. There there are some very good ones on, on digital. Media. You know, Bible oh, project. Free. Bible That's project great. has them on there for free. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to beat Bible project. They're yeah. Literally almost anything. So. <laughs> Yeah, they do yeah. good work. They do good work, and so, but all those things are good as long as you understand what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think as a as a as a pastoral encouragement, don't let your whole devotional life rest entirely on devotions. Yeah. Right? It's a mix and match. Like I don't do that. I will find some times in my life where I do want someone to have done the work for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because it's kind of what you're doing with a devotional. Somebody's kind of. Compiled the material and or they've organized it. They've done something like that. That's that's helpful for you, man. That's an okay place to be, but I don't know if it's a great place to stay. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. Yeah. I think there needs to be a mix of that and some of you know. You know what I'm going to do for the next. You know for the next. However long it takes, I'm going to read the Gospel John, and mm-hmm. you you read. Read the whole gospel, or I'm going to read Romans, or I'm going to read Proverbs. You know, yeah. there's also a place to, and I, I suspect I've seen it to kind of be the case in my life that as you mature in Christ and in your ability to understand the word, those bumpers mm. kind of bring them down. Now I can read for myself. There may be some mm. spots where I still need some help, mm. you know, for sure. But most of us can read the words of Jesus in the gospel of John. If you're in Christ, and it, and it speak to yourself. You may not see everything. I don't see everything. No. The book is—you can't plumb the depths of God's Word in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's impossible, you know. But but you can grow in your understanding, and as long as devotionals are helping you to do that, and you understand that it's probably good in a long run to mix that with sitting down and reading a book of the Bible oh, yeah. for myself, yeah. and I think they're fine. Yeah. So that was a fun rabbit to chase. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how long we've been talking, but we've been talking a long time. now. <laughs> Yeah, so to what I suppose we'll not do number thirteen. We'll say that I, next I time. guess thirteen will be next time, <laughs> <laughs> folks. Thank you so much for listening to us. Man, we enjoy. It's a joy for us to do this. We do it even if you weren't listening, but it's super awesome that you are. And uh, and if you are, if you share this with your friends, talk to folks about what you're doing. Maybe put it out. You know, we, we're now on multiple different platforms. I feel like we're still waiting for Apple, so I can't say <laughs> we have a podcast yet. I don't know how long we're going to be waiting for Apple. Who knows? But we are on Spotify. And so, you know, whatever platform you're listening to, if you would be sure to like us, if that's a possibility, and then share this, you can share it on social media, talk to other people about it. We just, we've, we've heard from folks that it is a blessing. And if we can continue to do that in other people's lives, we'd like to do that. It gives us an opportunity to just love sometimes people that we don't even meet. So thank you. Thanks for listening. And we will talk again soon. Goodbye.